You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the first 2020 edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. I'm one of the hosts of the show, Tony East, covering the Pacers for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News and the Fieldhouse. And we have some fun stuff to get to to open up the gear. Uh, of course, the Pacers had a massive statement win last night, uh, yesterday, middle of the day, against the Philadelphia 76ers. Going to talk about that. I'm going to run you through where the Mad Ants are at. I haven't done that for a while. Uh, good time to start off the year, catch up on them, because they've been playing some great basketball recently. And then I'm going to finally eat some crow on my, uh, Aaron, my lack of affinity for the Aaron Holiday pick. It's time that I own up to some mistakes on the show. Uh, sorry this episode is up later in the day. Uh, of course, New Year's stuff got in the way of recording at night or anything like that, but now is the perfect time to do it. So let's hop in. Uh, Pacers Sixers was a treat for Pacers fans. 115-97 win, and that 18-point win sounds awesome, and that's not even representative of how the game went. Uh, the Pacers lost the fourth quarter 31-19 because... They had already completely thrown in the towel. I mean, it was over. Um, Goga played a ton of minutes in the fourth. TJ Leaf played five minutes in the fourth. It was over. It was a blowout. And what made this game so interesting is, and this is kind of what we talked about with game previews, you know, the starters, um, Joel Embiid didn't play. That's part of the interesting factor. But the Pacers were up 36 at one point. Joel Embiid does not make up that much of a gap between these two teams. Anywho, uh... The first quarter went, like, fine for the Sixers, you know. It was 29-27 at the end. The Sixers were winning at, at stretches, and it kind of felt like, okay, you know, it's going to be a battle. And then the bench came in for the Pacers, like the like the full bench group, you know, Sabonis, uh, Jay Hala, A. Hala, T.J. McConnell, and Doug McDermott all came in and just lit them up for five minutes or six minutes to start the, the second quarter. And NBA.com's, like, box score has this cool feature where you can track the lead you know, uh, and it, it was so funny to watch it grow because, you know, right near the end of the first quarter, the Pacers are up one or two, and then right at the beginning of the second, the, their two-point lead, or the, excuse me, their three-point lead goes down to two, and then all of a sudden, middle of the quarter, they're up by 18. They just went on this massive run. I believe it was 19-2 with that bench unit in, and that whole group uh, was tremendous. Even outside of Aaron Holiday having a pretty not great shooting game. You know, he was two for eight. He had seven assists and five rebounds. You know, he, he found other ways to contribute. That's kind of been the story of what's made him better this season. Uh, TJ McConnell looked like he uh, wanted some revenge, even though he was just being TJ McConnell. 11 points, 10 assists. I believe he had like seven points and eight assists in nine minutes in the first half or something close to that. Um, and he ended up being massive because Malcolm Brogdon got hurt in this game aggravated his back again which seems to be quite the problem for him and combining that with his hand injury he was over five in this game he uh he is banged up and he is not playing very well recently but anyway uh tj mcconnell really stepped up in his absence and was just tremendous with this group um he was carving into the lane and setting up everybody his shot wasn't falling at all three for seven him and aaron holiday combined five for 15 and were both just great still because you know they got mcdermott going McDermott actually made all of his two-pointers. He had 12 points and didn't make a three. That's very undug mcdermott like uh, He played well. He was cutting a lot. He had a lot of good actions going with Sabonis. Sabonis had five assists uh, from 
or, or for his own part. And then Justin Holiday was uh, creating some nice shots. He got to the rim, got four free throws up, had 10 points on only five shots. Uh, his defense was good. You know, they uh, they forced a lot of terrible shots from the uh, six or second unit guys. They made a really big emphasis of running Furkan Korkmaz and James Ennis off the three-point line. Uh, Korkmaz only took two two of his seven shots from deep, um, and then Ennis only shot four times in total. So they did a, a pretty good job with that. Their defense was tremendous in this game in Philly. Didn't really seem like they were, they were trying after uh, the Pacers got up by 36 in the middle of the third quarter. But, yeah, the, that bench group was tremendous. Uh, they deserve a ton of credit because that, that was what we focused in on, um, me and Adam Friedman and uh, Sixers Adam, when previewing this game, is like for how great the Sixers starting five is. And, of course, again, they started Kyle O'Quinn over Joel Embiid because he was hurt. But uh, O'Quinn hasn't even been the Sixers' backup at times this season. They've gone with Norvell Peel, who got junked all over on by Sabonis in this game. Uh, they've gone with Peel a lot this year, so... Uh, it wasn't like their bench was drastically changed from what it normally is, and the Pacers just destroyed it. They don't have enough shot creation, especially because the Pacers did a pretty good job of taking Simmons out of the game. You know, he only finished with three assists and six turnovers. Like that's pretty. It's pretty great. Um, it's pretty much all you can ask for from the Pacers, even though Simmons was their only guy, like kind of efficiently scoring the ball in this game. Uh, so if they don't have anyone to set up these guys, they just have no way of scoring because Trey Burke. I actually love Trey Burke coming out of Michigan, but he can, he's a scoring point guard. He's not really a distributor too much. Uh, Peel, Mike Scott, Korkmaz, and Ennis are play finishers, and they kind of rely on Josh Richardson to create a little too, but he played more with the starters in this game, so they just had no way of creating good looks, and the, um, that, that allowed the Pacers to get some stops, get out in transition, let McConnell do what he does, and they scored a bunch. And I don't want to, to not talk about the starters because they won by 36, right? It's not like... The bench carried the Pacers the whole way there, but you know Warren continues to be great against the Sixers this year. I believe he's 20 for 30 for 50 points um, against them so far. He was awesome again, 9 for 11 with 21 points. Uh, he barely even had to play in the fourth quarter. None of the starters did. In fact, only uh, Sabonis and Warren even hit the 30-minute mark. Uh, Sabonis, though, played in his 30 minutes because he played so well with the bench. He was great again. 23 and 10, got his 10th rebound right before checking out for Goga down the stretch, which was fun. Five assists, he was great. Uh, Turner also was great. 14 points, hit 60% of his threes. I mean, pretty much every starter who played was great. Jeremy Lamb had a different kind of great because he was struggling to hit shots, but he was getting to the line, six free throws. Um, he ended up targeting the weak links in the Philly defense like we thought one of the wings would do, and of course Warren was um, tremendous. So, Pretty much everyone outside of Brogdon who was hurt and has reason to not play well, although he needs to play better when he gets healthy. Pretty much everyone played well on both ends of the floor. And no Embiid is killer uh, for Philly, but um, even with the with how well the Pacers played, even with Embiid out there slowing the game down to some extent, uh, the Sixers would not have won this game. The Pacers, just blew, the Pacers blew them out so much that Goga played all seven of his minutes for the last seven minutes of the game. So... It's always good to get Goga some time. He looked nice. Six points, three rebounds, a devastating block. I like watching him learn how to play and do stuff on both ends. TJ Leaf got out there too, but uh, over three, only one rebound. So he played five minutes, though. They always, It's always nice to be able to get those young guys minutes at the end of the game. Uh, Edmund Sumner also banged up his knee when he came in near the end, but uh, didn't seem too serious. He was uh, in the locker room kind of available uh, at the end of the game, which usually isn't the case for injured guys. So uh, Promising outlook for him. Not so sure about Brogdon, though. Nate McMillan didn't seem to indicate it would be 
something that would be a long-term problem. But basically just a dominant Pacers win to close out 2019. I mean, they looked they looked like so much the better team that it's like amazing the Sixers had the, the better record going into this. Now the Pacers and Sixers both seven games back of first in the East, so tied in the standings. The Pacers have played two less games, but uh, have the higher winning percentage, so they are technically ahead of Philly in the standings right now, which is uh, very impressive given how those their season has gone. Uh, and now they move on to Denver, and we'll talk about that one tomorrow uh, with a fun guest. But now, that was all fun. We're going to transition to talking about the G League team. I know that that seems silly, but uh, people like the G League team, and I think you should care about the G League team. It's a really big part of what the Pacers do. Um, and then after that, I will eat crow on Aaron Holiday, so stick around. So the Mighty Mad Ants started off this season pretty pretty rough, 0-6, uh, and then they were 1-8, and and they kind of had a plan to, to send some of their guys down, and they had to, the Pacers had to use their two-way contract guys with all the injuries to guards early in the year. Remember, Nazmi Trulong was actually in the rotation for a few games there. Um, so the, the Mad Ants didn't have the guys they thought they would, and then all of a sudden the Pacers got healthy enough that it was okay, and... Alizé Johnson could go down there and play, and then Gogo went down there to play, and then Jakar had a rehab game, and Edmund Sumner had a rehab game, um, and they got me Drew Long and Brian Bowen back, and Bowen's looked better, and then they signed my man Ben Moore. I mean, it was just click, 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 all these great things that they did in a row, and now they're eight and eleven. They've uh, they've gone seven and three since their their rough start. They're one win back of the uh, eight seed in the conference in their Eastern Conference. Uh, the eight seed is nine and nine, and there's two eight nine and nine teams. So they can just keep chugging along uh, with how they've been playing recently. You know, now that they're gelling, their defense is looking really good. Uh, they they could be a threat to make the playoffs in the in the East, and that's good to see. And I know that a lot of people think of the the Mad Ants as a development team for the Pacers, and to some extent they are. You know that that's the G League isn't just like its own independent thing, but they also um, want to do their own thing and play well. But you know, I think. When you look at them, uh, the guys that I talked about are, are really the, the focused guys. I think those guys have potential NBA shots. And, like, when Alizé goes down there to play, you know, you don't get to see him much for the Pacers anymore. He actually got in the rotation when, if you'll recall, when uh, Goga and Jakar were starting because all the big men were hurt when Alizé was playing, like, nine or ten minutes a game because they needed him. Man, the Pacers had so many injuries in November. But Alizé is, is just incredible in the G League. It's, like, unfair when he's there. Um, how good he is. He's averaging 23 points and 13 and a half rebounds and six assists per game when he uh, plays with these guys. Like, that's just ridiculous. And his three hasn't been falling like it was last year. His shot hasn't been falling like it was last year. He's just unfairly good. Like, he's so spry and he can dribble and post the guys up. You don't want him to post up, but he can. And he always gets these duck in points when I tune into the man and stuff. He, he's been awesome. And then another reason they've been great is they signed my man, Ben Moore. Um, ben Moore, if you'll recall, was on the Pacers for, for a little bit uh, on a two-way in 2017-18, and then he got a, a an NBA deal in 2018-19, made the Pacers roster, and then got cut um, after a few games, and then ended up going to the Austin Spurs, and then overseas, and he came back. Anyway, uh, he's been awesome, hitting 56% of his shots. He just always is the best uh, motor man. He, he gives a ton of effort on the glass. He is a monster finishing around the basket. He's averaging 13.5 points and 11 rebounds since returning. And what makes him so good is he's an amazing defender too. Um, he's kind of got like tweener forward size, but he can defend in the post and on the perimeter. So he's so versatile for this team. And now that they have him, they've of course, it, it makes a lot of sense they get a better player. They've been winning. 
Uh, Brian Bowens finally found his shooting stroke after struggling. He's up over 15 points per game now. Uh, and as a two-way guy, you know, it seems like the Pacers have at least some faith in Bowen in Bowen's future. You know, he's gotten in and uh, scored the scored his first NBA bucket for the Pacers against the Thunder. Uh, he's been down with the G League team more than he's been up. I mean, it's hard for the Pacers to get young guards even in their rotation at all. But it seems like, again, it seems like they have some faith in Bowen as a prospect to give him a two-way. And um, he projects well as a shooter. You know, he's hitting all sorts of great free throws. He's finally getting hitting his three. I'm sure if, if the G League stat site had splits, he'd be hitting close to 40% of his threes. Um, I know over the last 10 games for him, he's hit over 40% of his threes. He just started off really poorly shooting. So he starting to look good as a shooter and a, and a scorer, which is exactly what they want to see. Uh, Sumner and Goga went down there. Those games were unfair. Goga had 26 and 14, if you all remember, and uh, Sumner had 17 points. Like Those guys are just too good. And Jakar uh, had 24 points. Like Jakar Sampson had 24 points. That's how uh, much better the NBA guys are than these guys. Um, but the last guy to talk about, the Nazi Naz man, uh, the two-way recipient, Nazmi Trulong. He cannot be on a two-way next year. He now has three years of NBA service. Actually, no, he can be one more year. The Pacers seem, you know, he's good. Like, the Pacers seem to, of course, everyone they give it to it they like. So it's worth monitoring those guys. You know, if uh, maybe, say, TJ McConnell's not on the team next year for some reason, he probably will be, but you never know. Um, if he's not, they could you know, have Mitch Long be their third point guard and not complain about it because he's a good player. And he just kicks butt when he's down there. 18 points a game, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, just nuts stats. Shooting well from deep, or at least pretty well from deep. He's the initiator of everything that happens on offense for this team. So it's it, basically, the finally, that now that the Maddens can, like, there's not enough injuries to the Pacers that the Maddens can execute their plan for who they want to play and how they want to play. Um, you know, they have their own guys. Travis Thibodeau's been great. Uh, it's fun to watch this team to beat, still play basketball. DJ McCall, the local kid, is starting to, to get minutes for this team. They have their own guys that they're doing good stuff with, but now that they're able to be used how they were supposed to be used and they're able to do their own thing how they wanted to do it, things have been going better. Shocking. Um, so I think the Madden's are on a great trajectory to, you know, they could probably be a little over 500 or at 500 by the end of January and right in the thick of the playoff hunt, which would be great. It's always fun to watch them. And I highly recommend, you know, on an off-pacers night, if you have the opportunity, all their games are free and streamed online. Hop in and watch a Madden's game. They're fun and a good team. All right, it's time for me to do it. I'm going to eat crow on Aaron Holiday, uh, so let's do it. So most of my disdain for the Holiday pick was in the mo- not in the moment but stuff, but it was uh, it was that I really wanted Jalen Brunson, who's been good for the Mavs, but not as good as Aaron Holiday has been this year. And I just didn't like the pick very much. He was older. He it was an overrated defender. He was small. I just did not think he projected super well to be a guy who can do a lot of stuff well in the NBA outside of possibly score the ball. And that scoring has been better than one could think by his sophomore year, which is a big part of this. But uh, I wrote an article kind of projecting or talking about all the skills that I thought would be important to monitor for him. And something I opened with was his shooting. And I said he could be a good shooter, which would be one of the ways he would be a contributor for a winning team. But it wasn't obvious. He shot over 40% from three in college. That's great. If that projects and holds, that's awesome. Uh, His form looks good. We all know he's a good shooter now. 
being on a lot of studies show that the free throws are important. Uh, he wasn't an awesome free throw shooter in college. Well, he can shoot. I was wrong there. To, to not give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, he would be a better shooter should have been more obvious. He's at 42.5% this year on four attempts per game. That's insane, especially because he's only at 24 minutes per game. Uh, 88% free throw shooter. Uh, all the signs are there that he's just he's going to be an awesome shooter. And the fact that he's doing enough the dribble, like me and Adam talked about on Monday, makes him even more deadly. You know, you have to really get in his face to defend him, and he's so quick that he can just blow right by you. He uses it as a weapon so well. Um, it's so clear that he's a good shooter. So uh, I was wrong, thinking that uh, I doubted, like I thought he'd be a good shooter. I, I, I said, here's the exact paragraph. Don't take that as me saying Aaron Holiday will be a bad shooter. He projects to be a good or even great shooter. But the caveat for one-trick ponies is elite. And so I did not think he'd be. He's basically an elite shooter. Like 42.5% with a lot of pull-ups is almost an elite shooter. So uh, I underestimated his shooting. There we go. Uh, okay, what else did we talk about here? Um, yes, a lot of people uh, said... Aaron Holiday is going to be an awesome defender because, look, he was all defense team in the Pac-12. Uh, I did not particularly like his defense watching him. And I don't think his defense is great, but he's clearly uh, a better defender than I gave him credit for. He uses that wingspan well. He's fast as all hell, which allows him to be in passing lanes. His anticipation skills have gone up this year. That's why his steals are up. Um, he's just he's just better on on-ball D than I thought, and he, he doesn't let his size be a limiting factor. And he's kind of stocky enough in the chest that he doesn't get bowled over. Uh, he's got more Drew in his defense than Justin, which is good on that end. So that's uh, also good. And you know, here's a here's the thing I got wrong. This paragraph starts with he won't be able to gamble in pa- gamble on passing lanes and reaching in will be impossible because of his size, basically. Uh, but he can do both of those things because his wingspan is so big and he's fast. So I'm wrong again. Uh, look at me go. I'm I'm struggling. I did say his ball handling was encouraging, and look at that. I was right about that. Good job. Uh, he's speedy. Uh, talked all about that. And then I said, flip side to that, he's a turnover machine. He was a turnover machine in college. I uh, I do not have regrets about saying that. He has really toned that down uh, this year or in the NBA. Uh, even with more responsibilities, his turnover rate has been is literally exactly the same as it was last year. Uh, and his usage is actually down, which is hilarious because that's not like his usage is down because of how usage is calculated. But you can watch the Pacers and know that his role is bigger than last year, and his turnover rate is the same. You know the things he's asked to do are different, and he is turning it over at a low amount. You know he can clearly pass, he can clearly be a setup man, and I know that McMillan has tried to you know talk with him about you know hey balance this passing and shooting, and he's figured that out. So basically. All the point guard skills, right? You know, passing, dribbling, shooting. I thought he could shoot a little. I did not think he could defend. I thought he could dribble, but he'd be kind of hectic. And I did not think he could pass. And he can pass better than I thought. He can dribble as well as anyone could have thought. He's so fast. He can shoot amazingly. And he's a better defender than I thought. So I said, I think at the end I said, personally, I am skeptical that Holiday can be more than a slight positive overall. Well, He's already there. So I was wrong. He's going to be good. I don't know how good. You know, maybe he's the sixth man spark scoring type guy. Maybe he becomes a solid starter. Uh, Adam still says, maintains that maybe there's all-star potential in there. Still not going to go that far, but um, he's been awesome. And I deserve to be wrong and say that I was wrong. I was down on that pick, and I hand up. You can't see me, but my hand is up. I'm eating crow. I was wrong. Aaron Holiday is a great basketball player. 
and he's got a future in the NBA. All right, good start to the year with me uh, admitting my faults on <laughs> on old shows. I'll have to do this more often. That's it's not a real resolution, but my resolution for the show is to uh, admit when I'm wrong more. So thank you guys so much for listening as much as you did last year. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed the first show of 2020. It's going to be fun tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a uh, someone who covers the Nuggets on to help us talk Pacers Nuggets. It's going to be fun. Uh, Hawks this weekend, they're a mess. They're bad. Should be fun. We'll cover all of it here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. That is all for today's show. Hope you had a great New Year's, and we will see you tomorrow.